Well, good morning. How are you guys doing, church? All right, all right, 11 a.m., here we go. Uh, welcome, my name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. If, if you're visiting, this is your first time. We are so glad you're here. I hope you guys have just an amazing time worshiping the Lord with us. I want to start off, I want to ask, has anybody here ever been in a situation where you just felt absolutely desperate, desperate for a solution, desperate for a way? Uh, one of our sisters, one of our worship leaders who is just right here on stage, Lauren Combs, um, she, she had a situation come up and, and she, she actually had a, a great situation come up. She had posted a one minute clip of her doing a worship cover of a song, How He Loves by David Crowder. She put that on her Instagram and um, somehow this recording company came across it, a Christian uh, label in Savannah, Georgia, came across this little video, fell in love with um, just Lauren's voice and her heart for the Lord, and, and so they reached out to her, and so they engaged in this conversation, and basically, after talking with them, they, they offered to help her put together her very first worship album, and so, yeah, that is so awesome, and uh, after talking with, with, uh, with them, they figured out after, you know, writing the music, recording, studio time, engineering, mixing, mastering, graphic designs, distribution, copyrights, and all that, it's, it's going to come out to about $9,990, just shy of $10,000, which is a, a big financial uh, goal. And so what Lauren did was she decided she's going to start a fundraising campaign through Kickstarter, and... From May, uh, March 1st to March 31st, her goal was to raise $9,990. Well, here's the thing. She said this was a big risk because with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. I, I got to raise it all. So that means if I come up with $9,989, I get zero. I get none of it. And so here's what she wrote on her Kickstarter page. She, she wrote about this album, what it's going to be about. And she said, I'm calling it As He Promised. And really, these songs are going to celebrate God's promises and his faithfulness and his boundless grace. And I, I want to say, well, she's going to need all of those things. She's going to need all of those things about God because this is a big task, $9,990. Well, it's crazy because if you've been following along with her and keeping track with the updates and how that fundraiser had been moving along, she posted, she was posting uh, just where she's at along the way, and four days from the deadline, which was last Sunday, uh, the 31st, four days, she goes, hey guys, four days left and I have $6,000 left to raise, and she puts a happy face emoji as if this is something positive, heart emoji, and you just got to appreciate the bright, positive spirit uh, that, that our sister Lauren has. In my mind, I'm thinking, you ain't even halfway, girl. <laughs> like, you still, you still got, you're not even 50%. That's a lot. Then day three, three days from the deadline, she goes, update, we only have $4,940 to go. Happy face emoji, heart emoji, still being positive. And I'm like, that's pretty good. That's $1,000 better than the day before, but you're still only 50%. Two days from the deadline. Guys, update, only $4,850 to go. I'm thinking that's only $75 different from yesterday. Happy face emoji, heart emoji. I'm adding one more confetti emoji. She's celebrating already. 
Final day. 12 hours left. Here's the update. Guys, we still have $2,940 to go. And with a smile on her face, she's just saying, thank you, guys. Thank you for your help and your support. We still got $2,940 to go. Have you ever been in a, in a spot where you wondered, how am I going to make this? Like, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to get out of this bind? How am I going to fill my staff? How are we going to find a leader for, for this team? How am I going to deal with this unexpected child? And you just felt this desperation. God, I need a way. And I, this is what I love. On Lauren's Kickstarter page, the last line that she wrote, and I just discovered this after I had prepared this message, but the last line she wrote was this. She said, I truly believe if this is an opportunity God has presented to me, then he will provide a way. I believe if this is from the Lord, he will provide a way. That's either odd or that's God, because today we are in Genesis 22, the story from the Old Testament, and it's all about how God will provide a way. I'm titling this message, Jesus Saves the Day. And we are in this series called Jesus BC, and what we've been doing is we're looking at how Jesus has been revealed even before Jesus was born. Jesus was there in the Old Testament, and so today we're going to see how he was there in Genesis 2. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned how you could take an Old Testament passage, and you'll see that Christ was either present or patterned or promised, even in the Old Testament. Sometimes you'll have a passage where all of that is happening. Well, today, that's Genesis 22. I want to show you how he's present, patterned, and promised in this one story. And I want to show you that if it is the Lord's will, then the Lord will provide. He will provide because Jesus saves the day. Would you guys pray with me? Let's, let's uh, bow our heads and let's ask the Lord to lead us into his truth. And so God, here we are and here are our hearts and our minds. God, we pray, I pray, and I pray that I speak for everybody here, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus lifted high. I just pray that as I preach this morning, Lord, that I would do such an effective job of getting out of your way, leaving people with your truth, and leaving people in awe and in love with Jesus. God, take us deeper into our love. Take us deeper into our faith and trust in you. Show us that you will provide. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. We all say, amen, amen. So here at this church, we have at least six teams going out on missions this summer, and so four of the teams got together, and we've been doing training. So Friday night training, Saturday training, and uh, I got to teach one of the sessions, and uh, one of the first sessions I'll always teach is how a lot of times we'll read these stories in the Bible, but we forget to zoom out. And it's important that we zoom out because we see that God is actually writing one big story. All of history is his story. And there's a thread that goes all throughout history from Genesis to Revelation talking about his heart and his purpose for the world. And so I always start and I take us back to Genesis 12. That's what I want to do with us this morning because before we get to Genesis 22, I want to show you Genesis 12 because this sets up everything God's about to do in history. So here's Genesis 12. This is a promise that God makes to this guy named Abraham. We call it the Abrahamic promise or the Abrahamic covenant. And this is huge. Check this out. He says, Abraham, 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so here's what God is saying in this Abrahamic covenant. He's saying basically, Abraham, I am going to bless you so abundantly. I'm going to give you many descendants, and you will become a family that's so large that you will become a nation. We learn later on in history, they become Israel. And he says, I'm going to bless you abundantly so that you will be a blessing to the nations of this this earth. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. How? How? Well, specifically, that blessing we're going to learn is the blessing of salvation. That through, through Abraham and his offspring, somehow people will come to know of the God of the universe. They will know him personally. And so, he makes this promise, and if you know this story, there's a big problem. Why? Well, because Abraham is 75 years old when God makes this promise. His wife, not too much younger than, than he is. Um, that's a big biological problem. See, because, God, how are you going to give me many descendants to form a nation, uh, a great family, if I don't even have one yet and I'm 75 years old? That's a big problem. Well, fast forward 25 years. We say fast forward for Abraham. That must have been slow motion. How many of you guys have ever had to wait 25 years for anything? That's, that's long, right? And so, so, so he's waiting, and, and, and it comes to him being 100 years old. His wife is 90, and finally, God gives him the child of the promise and the child who will fulfill the promise. He gives him Isaac. Now, if you know this story, I've, I've asked myself, God, why do, you, why do you do that? Like, why do you draw it out so long? Like, you could have given Abraham a, a kid at 30, like you do for a lot of other people. Why, why wait till he's 100? And I've concluded maybe because if he gave him a child at 30, it's easy to say, oh, that's natural. Man did that. You give him a man at 100, God did that. Like there's no way to explain it, but God has his hand on that. That is a work of God. And sometimes God wants to show that he's the God of the impossible. Like sometimes God will, will provide and he'll come and save the day in a way where we can only conclude God. There's no other way to answer this or explain this. It's God. And so at 100, Isaac is born. Now, do you guys realize who this baby is that Abraham is holding? Like, this is the hope of the world. This is the hope of the world. Why? Because if there is no Isaac, there's no Israel. If there's no Israel, there's no Messiah. If there's no Messiah, there's no salvation. No salvation, no blessing to the nations. So Abraham, do not drop this child. Like, whatever you do, do not drop this baby. It brings a whole new meaning to precious little baby, more precious than you realize. This is the hope of the world. And so here is where our story begins. Now we get to Genesis 22, when we realize who this child is. If you have your Bibles, would you open Genesis 22? It's in our Bible app, and it's also in the Baywatch, the program you got when you walked in. But as we study this, can I show you Jesus can I, can I show you the incredible details of this familiar story? And I'm going to show you that God is shouting out to you, to us, the church. He's saying to you, I will provide. I will provide. Who am I speaking to this morning? I will provide. How? Jesus. 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 All over this. And so as I begin to read this, I'm going to start from verse 1. 
I want to see if you can find Jesus in this passage, okay? So it starts like this, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering as one of the mount, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So you can pause right there. So here's Abraham, and run that by me again. Who's asking him to give up his child, the child of the promise, the promised child? Who's asking? God. Isn't it God who's asking? God who who promised that he was going to give him a child, who finally provided the child. Now is that same God demanding that child back? Like, doesn't that make God look crazy? Crazy, crazy, crazy amazing. Let me show you how crazy amazing this God is. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So you pause right there. So what's going on? So here's Abraham. He, he, he believes God. He trusts his God, okay, I'm going to do this. So he grabs two of his servants to journey along with Isaac, and they make this three-day journey to the place of Moriah, to the mountain of Moriah. And so as they're on this journey, I mean, he's showing his commitment. He's cutting up the wood. He's like, we're going to do this. And then he, what does he do with the wood on which his son Isaac's going to be sacrificed on? He gives it to Isaac to carry. There is no other way to explain this except the fact that Abraham's gangster. Like, how do, you, how do you give him his own deathbed, unbeknownst to him, that he's going to be sacrificed on? And so they go, that, that's, that detail, I'm telling you, it's either odd or it's God. But as they make this three-day journey, Isaac starts to get a little bit smart. Right? He starts to smell something fishy. Because they're making this journey, they're like, Dad, this is funny because, like, uh, wood, check. We got the fire, checked, Dad, but where's the sacrifice? Like, seriously, what, what are we sacrificing, Dad? Dad, where's the sacrifice? And here's what Dad says, verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Would you circle that word, Provide. And we circle that word lamb. God will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took his knife to slaughter his son. Stop right there. So Abraham is so committed to trusting that God is somehow going to provide a way. And he's so committed that he has his son on the altar, he has his son bound, he has his knife drawn, and he has his, his hand raised. And I trust that God's going to provide a way, even if it means God raising him back from the dead, somehow God's going to keep this kid alive. He's got his knife drawn, his hand raised, and what happens? And then Jesus comes and saves the day. Does he? Yeah, Jesus comes and saves the day. Where? How do you see that? Where does Jesus show up? Let me show you Jesus. 
Verse 11, I'm going to read you the next few verses. I want to challenge you and see if you find Jesus in these next few verses. It says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Did you guys see it? Did you guys see Jesus? Where's Jesus in this passage? The ram? No, not the ram. Would you guys write this down? The presence of Jesus is seen in the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. And we have to ask ourselves, who is this angel who stopped him in the nick of time, right there at the 11th hour? Who, who kept his hand from slaying his son? Now, the word for angel in the Hebrew is the word malak. Everyone's saying malak. One more time, even louder, malak. Malak is translated angel. And what an angel or malak is, it's a, it's a representative or a messenger or one who is sent. It's kind of like an ambassador. 213 times Malach shows up in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language, and we often understand Malach or angels as created beings who are there to serve God, to minister on God's behalf as his messengers. Well, check this out. 65 times out of those 213 mentions of Malach, it shows up as Malach Yahweh, translated the angel of the Lord. Singular, the angel of the Lord. Now, who, who is the angel of the Lord? Well, theologians, when they see this one particular f- phrase, Malak Yahweh, they, they, they agree and they point out that it's pointing to uniquely one person in particular. Not created beings, like we often think of angels, but they say it's one uncreated one, the Lord himself, specifically It's the second person of the Trinity, which is Christ. Now, that's crazy. How can you say that the angel of the Lord is the Lord himself? How can it be the Malach of the Lord? How can it be the Lord of the Lord? Like, what are you saying? Well, here's what they're saying. When when you think of Malach, angel, don't think about it in terms of what is it, in terms of its nature. You have to understand Malach in terms of what is he doing? What is his role? And the role of a malak, his role is to be a messenger, a representative, one who is sent. And we learned, right, from the New Testament, there is one who the Father would send from heaven to earth. Who's the sent one? Christ. Christ. And yet I'm, I'm learning through my study that Jesus Christ wasn't only sent from heaven to earth by the Father in the New Testament, that there are times in the Old Testament, time and time again, we see, we see God appear bef- before people in the Old Testament in physical, tangible form. And when he does, that is Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Colossians 1, 15 to 19, what does it tell us? When the invisible God wants to appear before man, Colossians 1, 15 says, he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Verse 19, 
Uh, he's the firstborn of all creation. Verse 19 says, for in him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. And so how do we see the invisible God? Through Christ's son. And so could it be that the angel of the Lord, whenever God wanted to be represented in visible or physical form, could be sending Christ to be the image of the invisible God? So let's look at Genesis 22. Let's put it to the test. Could we say that this angel of the Lord is Christ himself? Well, what does the angel say to Abraham? Verse 12, I'll show, you, show it to you again. He says to Abraham, he says, Do not lay your hand on the boy or anything to him, for now I know that you fear who? God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And so what the angel of the Lord is, is doing, he's speaking in the first person. He's saying, now I know your faith. You have not held back from God. You have not held back from me. And so what he's doing is he is claiming himself to be God. So we believe that, that, that this is God appearing to him in the form of the angel of the Lord, Christ himself. And as this angel of the Lord, as the messenger of the Lord, as Christ speaks and, and keeps him from dropping his hand, and sacrificing his son, just in that moment, it just happens that there's some rustling going on in, in the thickets nearby, and there happens to be a ram. How does that just happen? Well, it didn't just happen. As Jesus showed up to save the day, and to call out to Abraham, and to keep him from slaying his son, Christ was also providing a substitute sacrifice right there. At the last minute, at the 11th hour, God, why do you do that? Why, why do you hold it out? Why do you wait till the 11th hour to finally show up, to finally speak up, to finally provide a way? I mean, you already, God, you already saw Abraham's commitment. You, he, he believed three days ago when he started packing up his bags and cutting the wood when he started saddling up the donkey, even on day one, you knew he was making his way. You knew he trusted you. Why don't you call him out then and turn him around then? Why wait till he's got knife drawn and hand raised to finally show up and provide a way? You know, going to last weekend, I, I shared with you about Lauren's journey to try to raise these funds, $9,990 to, to put together this, this album as he promised, to, to celebrate God's promises and faithfulness and grace. And going into last weekend, so... The 31st, last Sunday, was the deadline. And going into the weekend, she still had $5,000 left to raise. $5,000. And on Friday, Lauren told me she got this email. She gets this email, and it says, Lauren, we misclassified you um, as being on salary when actually we're supposed to pay you hourly. And to her, that was actually good news because that means they owed her back pay. And they said, we owe you back pay. And she said, the amount of the back pay that was supposed to be given to me fills the gap of what I still need to complete this goal. Awesome, right? Awesome? Not awesome. Why? Because they have to mail her the check. And they don't deliver on Sundays. When her deadline is when she needs that check, they don't deliver on Sundays. Guess what? Lauren found it in her mailbox at 1.15 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Nothing. 
I just told you they don't mail on Sundays. They don't deliver on Sundays. So there was nothing in her mailbox. They don't deliver on Sundays. But you know who can deliver on Sunday? Our God can deliver on Sunday. Come to Easter, we'll tell you God delivers on Sunday. And on that Sunday in Lauren's story, God provided this person who stepped up. She said it's totally unexpected, but this person stepped up and said, I will pay the rest. I'm filling the gap. And she met her goal at the last minute, on the 31st, the 11th hour and 59th minute. Our God provides, amen? (laughs) Okay, let's praise God for that. Why does God sometimes hold out Not all the time, but sometimes he will wait to that very last minute. Why? Maybe so nobody is able to say, well, that's natural. That was man. No, he is showing he is the God of the impossible, and he wants to sometimes give us no other reason or way to explain it other than he is a supernatural God. It's God. It's God. If it is the Lord's will, the Lord will provide. I, I love that that Lauren wrote this on her uh, Kickstarter. This is either Otter God because she wrote this as, as the reason for why she's doing this. Her inspiration. Um, this is before she even started raising funds. But she wrote on. I'll put up the screenshot. I took a screenshot, and you might not be able to read it, but it says the project came out of a place in which the Lord was constantly reminding me that He has never left a promise of His unfulfilled. The title, As He Promised, comes from Romans 4.20 and 21, which reads, Yea, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. She said, this verse is driving my trust in his promises. Do you know where this verse happens? What this verse happens to be talking about? Who is the one who didn't waver in his faith? Abraham. This is talking about Abraham, and it's this very thing that's giving her hope to trust, like Abraham, in the promises of God, just as he promised. And here in Genesis 22, Abraham had faith that the Lord was going to show up and save the day. And so we see the presence of Christ just when he needed him. Now, I want to show you that not only was Christ present, but he was also patterned. Would you guys write this down? The pattern of Christ in the story, Isaac, son of God, a son of Abraham. The pattern of Christ is seen in Isaac, son of Abraham. Because can I tell you what this story is ultimately about? Like what this is really about? This story is about how God, your provider, God, our provider, wants to provide the payment for your sins. He wants to provide for you life for eternity. And so in this story, he's giving us Jesus over and over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in every detail. Have you guys stopped to to look at who Isaac is and see the parallels between him and and, and our Lord? And it's like he's shouting out to us, listen, I, I will provide. I will provide. I will provide. How? Jesus. Let me show you some of them if you haven't caught it. But, but let me show you the pattern of Christ through Isaac, the son of Abraham. 
We look at the story. Who's Isaac referred to? Well, he's referred to twice as the one and only son of Abraham. That comes in verse 2 and 12. We read in the New Testament that Jesus is the one and only son. Same terminology. One and only son of God, according to John 3.16. You read the story, you see Isaac was thought of by Abraham to be good as dead for those three days as they journeyed to the mount. Well, Jesus was thought of by man to be as good as dead as he was in the grave three days on that mountain, according to Matthew chapter 12. Isaac was accompanied by two men on Mount Moriah. There's a little detail that slipped in there. Why? Because one day Jesus would be accompanied by two men there on Mount Calvary, according to Luke 23, verse 33. Isaac was given the wood to carry to the place of his own sacrifice. That's odd. Or it's God. Why this detail? Because one day Jesus Christ would carry his own wooden cross to the place where he would be sacrificed. According to John chapter 19, verse 17. Isaac didn't fight back. He had three days to fight back. He had three days to turn and run. And yet he willingly laid himself down to be sacrificed in submission to his father. Jesus willingly laid down his life himself to be sacrificed in submission to his father. According to John chapter 10. Verse 18, I just gave you five. You could count it up. I've counted 30 parallels. Similarities in Isaac, the son of God, pointing you to Jesus. This is about Jesus. Now, full disclosure, I feel like I need to be totally truthful with you right now because, to be honest, as I was looking at the details, there was one discrepancy that I found that doesn't quite match up. Because remember in verse 8, and I had you circle this, Abraham said, God will provide for you, for himself, the what? The lamb. The lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And I'm reading through this, and, and as Jesus showed up and kept him from slaying his son, he, he sees a what? A ram. Dang it, almost perfect. Right? Like, because I looked it up, I, I did the research on Wikipedia, and rams are, and lambs are quite different from each other. So what happened? And, and I'm, I'm trying to, like, reason this, okay? That ram has got to be the lamb. And so, so I'm thinking, I'm coming up with justifications. Maybe um, the translator writing the story, maybe he was Chinese, and he misspelled it, and he gets his L's and R's mixed up, right? <laughs> he turned and he saw the ram, right? Like, maybe... There's like a typo. There's got to be a typo somewhere. He's not Chinese, okay? This is Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, the words are two completely different words that don't even rhyme. So it's not a matter of mixed up letters. When he said that the Lord will provide himself a ram, a lamb for the offering, he meant it. See, because this promised provision is a lamb that is yet to come. When he talks about the lamb being provided, it is something future. And this ram that, that was provided is to show that God has the ability to provide the ram in the present for Abraham and proving that that same God has the ability to provide the lamb in the future for you and for me. And so here's the promise. Would you guys write this down, the last fill-in for today? The promise of Christ is through the Lamb of God. And right here on, in the land of Moriah, 
Abraham realizes what God is able to do. If he could provide me the ram, he will provide us the lamb. And so he's overwhelmed by God's provision. So he's like, I got I to gotta call this place something. I got to give it a name. And so in verse 14, the last verse for, for, for this story, it goes like this. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, that kind of bothered me because in terms of grammar, it's like, shouldn't you have called it the Lord has provided? Right? Because it happened already. It's past tense. Why the future tense, the Lord will provide? Well, now I'm realizing that was on purpose because he's looking to the future. Because on that mount, the Lord of the Lord shall be provided. By the way, did I tell you that the land of Moriah would eventually be the place where Jerusalem is established. And that, that mount where Abraham was supposed to sacrifice his son, God actually sacrificed his son, the Lamb of God, right there in the land of Moriah. 2,000 years later from that day, Jesus would be here on earth. He was born and he grew up. And he's talking to these Pharisees, these leaders, and he said, in John eight fifty six, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Your father Abraham, 2,000 years ago, rejoiced at my day. And I'm thinking, I've always read that. When did Abraham ever see the coming of Christ? And I'm realizing right here on this day, Genesis 22, when he looked forward and he knew that the Lord would provide a ram. A lamb, sorry, this Chinese guy keeps getting it all mixed up. <laughs> he would provide a lamb. The fulfillment of the promise back from Genesis 22 that through his offspring, the nations will be blessed with salvation. That's the promise of the Lamb of God. And so here in the story, you see Christ present as the angel of the Lord patterned through Isaac, the son of Abraham, and promised there on the mountain as the Lamb of God, the descendant of Abraham through which all nations will be blessed, he was the one who came to save the day. For on that mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So that's Genesis 22. That's the story. And some of you guys are sitting here thinking, well, cool story, bro. Cool story, bro. But how does this help me in my current situation of unemployment? How does this help me in the fact that I have been lonely and depressed? How does this help me with the fact that I still don't have enough members on my team? How does this help me with the fact that I still have funds for this, that, that I need for this project that I'm working on? How does this help me? And I want to say this absolutely helps us, church. This passage and this story gives us so much hope. Why? Because in it we see the Lord has proved that he provides a way. Just look at Jesus. He provides a way, and the answer is Jesus. Because listen, if he has already provided the Lamb of God, Jesus, to, to give us eternal life in heaven, don't you think he can provide and give us abundant life on earth? Like he's already done the difficult thing. Like if, if God our God has given us Jesus who has provided the payment for our sins for eternity, don't you think he can pay for your next meal? 
If he has already provided you with an eternal relationship with the God of heaven, don't you think he could provide you with a relationship here on earth? If he's already prepared for you a mansion of glory that's waiting for you, according to John 14, don't you think he could provide for you a shelter here on earth? He's already done the greatest thing. He could take care of the little things. And so one thing we cannot do is that we cannot look at Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and look at his substitute for my sins and look at his blood that was shed for mine, that his death given up for my life. We can't look at the cross and conclude, God doesn't care about me. He's forgotten about me. He can't provide for me. Oh, no, he could provide for you. Oh, no, he cares about you. The cross proves it. And so one thing we have to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is our Savior. And if it is the Lord's will, the Lord will provide. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're needing someone to do life with. And you're, you've been longing for that lifelong friend, that, that confidant. Maybe, maybe you're looking for that accountability partner or just a mentor. Maybe a lifelong spouse. I want to say, look to Jesus. He will provide. Maybe you've been suffering this, this never-ending grief, this depression that's, that seems like I could never get over it. Maybe you're trying to deal with the loss of a, of a loved one. And you're wondering if, if I'm ever going to find any hope. I want to say, look to Jesus. And I seriously mean that because the Lord will provide. Maybe you have this addiction to pornography. Maybe you battle envy. Maybe every time you're on social media, you burn with jealousy. And I want to say, stop, look up, and look to Jesus, because the Lord will provide. Maybe you're struggling to make ends meet, not sure where the funds for this mission trip will come from, for this project for work will come from. Look to Jesus. The Lord will provide. How do we know? Because Jesus because Jesus, he saves the day. Christ didn't die for you and rise and conquer the grave to be your one-time savior. Do you understand that? He, he didn't die just to secure salvation for you and secure eternity for you, then rise and ascend into heaven and, and peace out on you and say, okay, well, I'll catch you later. I'll see you when you get there. You're on your own now. No, look what Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says. This, this needs to be preached more often and talked about and memorized more often. But Hebrews 7 25 says this. It says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. Underline that. Save to the uttermost. Underline it three times. Those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What's that telling us? When, when you underline save to the uttermost, you're... ESV Bible, or your Bible might have had a, a little footnote that says uttermost means completely, or means at all times. I mean, he's able to save you completely. He's able to rescue you at all times, not just once, but daily. Why? Because he rose from the grave, and because he lives, he always lives to make intercession for them. He's interceding on your behalf daily. That's a continuous, ongoing reality. And so here's what this doesn't mean. When it says save to the uttermost, it's not saying he can save you completely minus the times when the economy is just too hard for him because he can't handle that. 
or he's going to rescue you at all times except the time when, when, when people are just too dramatic because he doesn't want to deal with that. No, when he says all times, he means it to the uttermost. He is our Savior, and he wants to save your days. And so if he has provided for you completely already and he's given you heaven, do you trust that he wants to give you abundant life on earth? I want to close with this story um, as an illustration. Um, And I pray that this drives it home for us and helps us to see God for who he is. But my friend, good friend Kyle, um, I'll never forget, uh, we were sitting there over lunch at California Fish Grill and he was just sharing with me how he and his wife Caroline have decided that they were going to adopt a little girl uh, named Selah from China. Here, here's a picture of Selah. And this had been something that they had been praying for like seven or eight years. And about two years ago, they started the application process. And he was sharing with me over lunch. And I was just holding, I was like choking up, trying to hold back my tears. We're sitting outside in public. And, and, and he was telling me how all of this was confirmed by God. And one thing he told me, he says, the gospel just wrecked my heart. Just wrecked my heart. He said, we're not adopting her because we need another child. He says, Greg, we have three kids. We don't need another child. He says, but because of the gospel, we realize she needs love. She needs the love of a father and the love of a mother. She needs a forever family. She needs the love of Jesus. So this is gospel driven, and I'm just like, ah, oh, that's so good. Like, you know, and, and, and he's telling me this, and the journey over the past few years have, hasn't been easy all the time. And just the cost alone, upwards of $40,000, dollars just to bring her home. They've had to go to the U.S. Embassy, and, and Kyle told me how they denied him his visa the moment they said they found out he was a pastor. So they didn't ask any questions. They didn't want to hear the story of why we want to adopt. They just denied the visa. So he had to just keep on returning, fighting to get his visa. And just... You know, all, all these struggles came up, and he was telling me, he says, Greg, I, I really appreciate so much our, our brothers and sisters in countries like China. He says, the struggle is real. The, 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 the Christians who get interrogated by, by officials, who get fired from their jobs, detained for their faith, I'm realizing it's real. Well, well to make a long story and a long journey short, they finally was able to cross the ocean and back. And on March 28th, which was just last week, they were able to bring home Selah Shimazaki as the sixth member of their family. And the joy after, after all that, doing everything they could, they, they wanted to, to rescue her out of fatherlessness, out of motherlessness. They wanted to, to, to free her from the orphanage and give her a home and to give her hope and to give her the fullness and abundance of life and the experience of love. And after going through all that, crossing the ocean and coming back, now that they are here at home in, the, in Southern California, if today Selah says, Daddy, I'm hungry, Kyle is not going to be like, oh, well, whatever. If tomorrow she's like, cold, Daddy, it's cold here compared to China, he's going to be like, suck it up. This is Southern California. The weather is great compared to China. If she comes home one day from school crying because she's been bullied or because she has no friends, they're not going to say, 
Man, you got to develop some thick skin. Find your own friends. No, will, will Kyle and Caroline not go out of their way and do all they can to provide for and to protect their child? They've gone the distance. They've done everything to show that we want to love you and give you abundance. How will they not care for her in the day-to-day? God, your God, has gone the distance. He is for you and not against you. I want to close with this last verse, Romans chapter 8. Verse 31 and 32, I pray that this brings praise and worship into your hearts. And it says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? By God's provision, Abraham was able to spare his son and hold back the knife. But by God's provision, God the Father did not spare his son and did not hold back the cross. He provided for you his son, Jesus. Like Kyle, some people will cross the ocean for someone they love. Church, I know someone who has climbed the mountain for you. A mountain called Calvary. And he climbed up on the cross, and if God did not spare his son, it means one thing. He wants to graciously provide for you all things in heaven and on earth. And it's like he's shouting out to you right now, and I don't know who he's talking to, but he's saying, I will provide. I will provide. I will provide. Because Jesus. And look to Jesus. He is our Savior. He's come to save the day each and every day. And the question is, will you trust him? Will you trust him? Would you guys bow your heads with me? And I want to just give you a moment just to respond and cry out to to Jesus. And I I actually want to lead you in a prayer. And this is for anybody who, who wants to come by faith. Anybody. But if you're realizing right now, I just need to trust God. I just need to turn my eyes back on Jesus. And I need him to provide for me today. I need for him to provide for me my entire life. I, I want to encourage you to do this. With the eyes closed, just hold out your hands like in front of you with your palms up as if, if you're just surrendering to him or just wanting him to, to just provide for you. Hold out your hands. And I'm going to pray this. And you just pray it with all your heart, with all your faith. Say, God, here are my hands open to you. And it reflects my heart. I want to open it to you. God, I trust and believe that you provided Jesus to be my Savior. I trust that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. Because of that, Jesus lives and he makes intercession for me. I trust that he cares about me. And every day you you want to provide for me. And so here's my heart here's my life I want to give it to you I want to trust it into your hands and I pray that you will take care of me all the days of my life help me now to turn from my sin help me now to walk in your ways and show me how much you do love me I will keep my eyes fixed on you all the days of my life thank you for for the abundance of life 
And so, God, I just want to thank you so much for those prayers that were lifted up. And we just cannot help but worship, cannot help but sing and to offer everything we have because of your name's sake. And so, Lord, we continue on and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.